everybody. This is Father Tom Provenzano coming to you with another uh, sadly belated episode of the Axe Podcast and maybe somewhat abbreviated from uh, previous ones, but at least want to get something posted uh, before the fourth Sunday was up. And before we uh, get to the topic of the day, which is exactly the, the fourth Sunday of Advent, and the uh, we'll look at the the word of God from this day being offered to us by the church. Before we get to that, let's get to this. Let's offer a, an Ave. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, help of Christians, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, like I said, yeah, this is a belated episode, and I, I have to say also, um, uh, yeah, not to, but also one short of what I wanted to present. I did have plans and actually was in production getting a, an episode for midweek prepared, and just all sorts of delays ended up getting in the way, some legitimate, some mysterious. And uh, so I had to kind of scrap it. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'll try it again after the new year. So the, the plan still is to go with a, a midweek and a weekend edition. But I know that, you know, these next couple of weeks, everybody's going to be kind of running around and, and kind of frantic. So we're going to hold, I'm going to hold off on going with the, with the twofers, uh, at least officially. You know, I, I might get the itch and, you know, put up a, a, a midweek one anyway. But at least officially. Uh, just you know, look for this one obviously now, and then you know next week, next weekend uh, there'll, there'll be one prepared for next weekend for Christmas and uh, the uh, the feast of the Holy Family, uh, and then the week after that for New Year, Mary, Mother of God, and and the Epiphany, um, and then then we'll go with the, with the two you know the two furs, the the two in a week, uh, a Wednesday Saturday drop shall we say, uh, after after the New Year. Um, yeah, I was, I've been actually just to, you know, to allow myself a bit of a detour and to kind of go around the bend a little bit. I've, I've been preparing and actually prepared rather well, I thought, uh, an episode talking about the grand narrative and that we need to be, be wary not to become slaves of a narrative, that we should always be pursuing the truth and, you know, take evidence and let it, let it lead us where we're, where, let it, let it lead us to where we need to go. And to lead us to a, a greater knowledge of the truth, rather than to kind of approach life, approach current events, uh, approach history with kind of a preconceived notion of how things are. Uh, and uh, yeah, just kept on getting sidetracked with it, and either unable to make a really good, uh, you know, final take on it, or in some cases, technical difficulties, problems with the microphone. So I don't know what was going on this week, but uh, it uh, it didn't happen. So I, I still have that episode. I have other episodes sort of mapped out as well on uh, on other topics that again we'll we'll get to in good time. Uh, but for today, let's let's talk about the fourth Sunday of Advent. Let's talk about this week uh, coming up, and I can already see where I might have an excuse to maybe put another brief episode up in the middle of the week that has to do with the the liturgy and. and specifically our, our celebration of evening prayer. But, you know, 
in terms of the fourth Sunday of Advent, it's, you know, as I record this, it's the 19th of December. So we're in the, in the uh, novena, okay? We're within the, the nine days before, before Christmas. So, you know, Advent, if, if you remember, I'm going to keep on hammering this home. It's a time of watchful, prayerful waiting for the coming of the Lord, uh, for his second coming, essentially. That's really what Advent is, is all about. And if you, if you notice and paid attention, the, the readings really did have to do with more in general with our Lord's coming and with preparing ourselves for accepting him and the need that we have to, especially this last week, with a lot of talk about John the Baptist and about who John the Baptist was and what his identity was, uh, you know, our ability to kind of read the signs, to read what's going on in the world, and to, you know, be able to really, uh, again, prepare ourselves in that way uh, for our Lord's coming and for being able to accept the Lord into our hearts. So that, you know, we're not so much celebrating an historical event of the past. You know, it's sort of like, you know, that's the excuse for the party. <laughs> you know, that, that, that Jesus, is, that, we, that we celebrate Jesus' birthday on, on the 25th of December is sort of the excuse for the celebration. It's not a bad excuse at all. But that in a, in a deeper way, what we need to be doing is really just reflecting on our own relationship with him. How are we making a home for him in our hearts and how are we conforming our lives to his gospel and really living his will and not living our own? And in that way to be prepared for when he comes again, whenever that happens to be. And uh, but now that we are within the within the nine days within the novena, the focus definitely does shift, and, and the word of God that we get during the during the mass really does tend to focus us more on the events leading directly to Jesus's birth. Uh, you know, if you, if you if you go to daily mass, and if you if you went to, to daily mass on, on the seventeenth, what you were going to notice was the reading of what's called the genealogy, which is, you know, in, in this case from Matthew's gospel. And, uh, you know, Matthew begins with, with Abraham and traces all of, you know, Jesus's descendants uh, down to his birth. And which you, and, you know, priests make jokes about it all the time, that it's like the one gospel that, oh my Lord, I, do I really have to read this? Because there's so many names. And names that are unfamiliar to us, and names that for us in, uh, you know, in the English-speaking world are, you know, just unusual and hard to, hard to pronounce and, and hard to read, and but we do it, and I had to do it at six thirty in the morning, <laughs> to a group of, a group of faithful that are that they are faithful, but they didn't look like they looked like oh my lord what are we what are we listening to. Uh, because it's all the begets, you know, this one begot that one, and that one begot the other one, and this one begot that one, who was the mother of this other one, and who became the father of that one. And it, it just gets, yeah, it gets kind of mind-numbing after a while. But, you know, the, the point of that reading is to say, if we look at that list, that genealogy, there's all sorts of names there, all sorts of names of different people. And some of them were saints, and some of them weren't. Some of them were members of the House of Israel. Some of them weren't. Okay, some of them weren't. Some of them were, you know, great kings. Others were lousy kings. And uh, some actually, again, committed 
some really horrendous uh, things in their lives. And it was a way for Matthew to say, I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, I'm, you know, my whole point here in writing this to you is to tell you that Jesus Christ is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one who is to come into the world. And, and not only that, he's not just the Messiah, but he's the Son of God. He is, he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And you're going to say to me, yeah, but look at all these, these people in his family line. And I'm going to beat you to it. I'm going to tell you exactly who was in his family line. And I'm not going to pull any punches on it. And I'm not going to hide from it. Because the whole point was that Jesus entered into this history. Jesus entered into this line. Jesus, far from running away from his humanity, embraced his humanity. And redeemed it. You know, it's, it's not that, you know, sometimes we have this, you know, we hear the thing of, of Jesus saying, you know, you know, sin not, or excuse me, you know, your sins are forgiven. You know, go in peace. Or he who has the, the, the you know, he without sin may cast the first stone. Okay, and we, we rightly see our Lord's great mercy in that. Okay. But, you know, Jesus also says, go and sin no more. He, he also, I believe it was to, you know, one of the people that, one of the people that he cured, I forget if it was the blind man, he, he basically says, you know, go now and avoid sin lest something worse happen to you. So, you know, our Lord is, is not saying, I'm okay, you're okay. And, yeah, I'm forgiving you your sins, uh, which really means it's a license for you to go and to continue to sin. No, it's, it's about reform. <laughs> it's about living that life of holiness. It's about, yeah, we're going to, we might stumble and fall. You know, I, I, I know a few people who have been involved with, with Alcoholics Anonymous and, you know, praise Jesus, they're, they're decades now uh, without alcohol. They're, de they're decades sober. But they will also tell you that, you know, it might have taken two or three times or five or six times tries, that is, before they actually built, you know, they were consistent on that road. Okay, and they'll all tell you that they're all in, still in recovery. That, you know, even though maybe they haven't had a drink in 35 years, but nonetheless, they would still not consider themselves recovered. They're still in recovery. And kind of acknowledging that weakness and that, that continual need to be vigilant and to just, you know, allow the Lord in, in into their life and to and to continue to help heal them. Uh, you know, it's it's the same way with us. You know, we, we, we may have a sin that really, you know, hammers down on us, and we do need to make that resolution to sin no more. Uh, you know, nonetheless, yes, it may you know it may take us a couple of efforts before we really defeat a particular vice that's hurting us whatever it happens to be, whether it's, you know, alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether, you know, it's, it's gossiping. I think sometimes the, the, you know, you know, alcoholism and maybe, you know, an addiction to pornography, you know, not that those are, I'm not minimizing those things, 
but maybe you know success in those areas are in some ways easier to measure, though. Where I think sometimes with with let's say with with gossiping with with you know being egotistical, you know being arrogant, uh, being judgmental of others, it's sometimes harder. It's easier sometimes to justify those vices. We don't even maybe think of them as vices. But it's easier to justify to ourselves why we're doing those things. And sometimes they can be even harder to defeat. Because it's not like a person who can say, I, you know, I haven't drank in 35 years. Or I haven't, you know, watched, you know, I haven't watched pornography in, in, in 20 years. Uh, it, it, you know, it might be something harder to quantify and something easier to uh, kind of try to justify for ourselves. So, you know, either way, the Lord has patience. Uh, but the Lord is calling us not to continue along those roads. He is calling us to take sin and eliminate it from our lives. In a way, hand the sin over to him and let him get rid of it for us. And really trust in him and trust in, in his grace and his ability to you know, keep us walking on, on the, the narrow path. So yeah, in the in the genealogy, uh, we see all these people, and who you know suffered from all sorts of vices, <laughs> and committed all sorts of sins, and yet Jesus has come to save them and to save us, uh, really to save humanity, for from really from all time. You know when we we when, when Jesus, you know we believe that the the, the days that our Lord was. In the tomb, you know, in the creed, we say that he, you know, some translated as he descended among the dead. Some say he descended into hell. And again, having to understand that hell doesn't mean uh, a place of punishment, but in this case, the, the, a place of waiting uh, in the underworld for the coming of the Messiah who was to kind of break those bonds. And you could say that these were people that go back, you know, uh, uh, one of the letters of Peter talks about people, you know, that go back to the time of the flood even, all right, who have been awaiting, who have been awaiting for the Redeemer, and that somehow the gospel even had to be preached to them. And that's what our Lord was doing in those three days. And, uh, you know, it doesn't go into detail, uh, but, we, but we do believe that, yes, he even led those souls in captivity in the netherworld from time immemorial uh, into paradise the day that he he died and and uh, before he rose from the dead so that's really the great good news and that's what these great days of advent that's what they're called the great days of advent start off with is this proclamation of our lord's genealogy and, and today we we heard from matthew's gospel and we we heard, excuse me, not Matthew's gospel, we were from Luke's gospel, and we, we heard this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth, and how Mary uh, goes to help and assist her cousin Elizabeth, or her relative Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant. She, who was thought to be barren, uh, is with child, six months with child, and Mary comes, and she's, you know, also with child, three months with child, and and we really have this beautiful encounter uh, with Elizabeth 
saying, you know, who am I that the, the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? Very powerful words. Okay. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of, of your womb. Okay. You know, we get from this encounter part of the Hail Mary and, and part of the reason why the church proclaims Mary as mother of God. You know, when, when Elizabeth is, you know, declares that she's the mother of the Lord, she's talking about the divine Lord. All right? That's really what she's referring to there. The reason why we call Mary mother of God is because she's the mother of a divine person. All right? Jesus. Jesus the Christ. She's not the mother of a, of a human person who was adopted by God or, you know, somehow was divinized later where she was the mother <laughs> of someone who from the moment of his conception, you know, represents this, this incredible union of humanity and divinity. And in the end, while certainly he has a human nature, he has the qualities, all the qualities of what makes someone human, he is a divine person. And so Mother uh, Mary definitely is mother of the Lord. She was not just the mother of his humanity. She gave birth to a, a whole, complete, integral person, the person of Jesus. And so there's a lot of things going on in this, in this reading. And uh, it shows us in a way that, you know, venerating Our Lady is biblical. Venerating Our Lady is biblical. Elizabeth's doing it right here in front of us. In a sense, you could even make, make the argument, this is where I, I don't want any theologians coming down, dropping the house on my head, or any guys with, you know, uh, letters after their name. But, you know, even when the angel visits, the angel Gabriel visits, you know, hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. You know, that might not be technically speaking veneration, but he's saying a lot. <laughs> he's saying a lot there about who Mary is, and how Mary should be respected. Even before she says yes, even before she agrees to go along with God's plan, she is being saluted with honor and with respect by an angelic person. Okay. You know, angels are always above us in the kind of hierarchy of being. But here is an angel kind of condescending to honor our Blessed Mother. And so, yes, you know, veneration of our Blessed Mother is biblical, and it is beautiful, and it is essential. If really we're going to fully embrace who Jesus is and what he's about, and really the great gift that he's offered us. But I've been rambling around a bit, and I think I've been missing really the main point that I kind of tried to communicate to the people today, which is that in Mary... In Elizabeth, in John the Baptist, we see three people who are rather insignificant in many ways. They come from little backwater places. These are not great kings and queens. They don't live in Rome or Athens. No, they live in a little backwater. And yet God has lifted them up. God has lifted them up. They literally have the future of humanity dwelling within them. They're not just carrying, <laughs> carrying the future of humanity in 
their hands are actually the future of humanity is dwelling in their very bodies. They, you know, Mary obviously has the Savior in her womb. And Elizabeth has the one who will make him known, has his precursor, to use the big fancy $5 word. And it's to these that God gives this great responsibility, as well as great gift. And But this is the way of God. God gives all of us a part to play. We can't do anything without his grace. It is true, all is grace. That's, that's absolutely true. But God does not want passive participants. He wants people who are active and who are going to consent to the saving acts that he wants to do. Mary could have said no. But Mary used her freedom in a perfect way to cooperate with God's plan. John the Baptist, where do I begin with John the Baptist? A charismatic individual. Obviously, strong preacher, one of those old-time fire and brimstone preachers who was attracting disciples, had disciples. We know that. He could have very easily said, you know what, I'm him. I am the Messiah. Yes, I am the one who has come into the world. Follow me. And let's march on Jerusalem and let's start breaking things up. He could have done that. He probably could have gathered an army around but he said, no, I must decrease and he must increase. There is one coming after me who is greater than I, and I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize with water. He will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. John didn't use his talents and abilities to aggrandize himself but instead use them humbly, and this is what they all have in common, to humbly be of service. Yes, even someone as bold as John, even someone as bold later on as St. Paul, in humility, they did not set about to aggrandize themselves, but to point the way for Jesus. You know, and Jesus in his own way also, I mean, he's God with us for heaven heaven's baby, right? He's, he is, you know, he is the center of the universe. He is the word through whom all creation came to be. But in, in a sense, he also demonstrates this humility. Okay. When he's asked, when Jesus is asked, are you the one? In his usual fashion, he just doesn't come out and say it, but he says, well, what do you see? What do you see? The deaf, the deaf hear? The blind see, demons are expelled. What do you see? And draw your own conclusion. You, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me what you see. Okay. So in, so in a way, humility is a, is a key quality. You know, not, not subservience, uh, not, not, a, not, not a self-doubt that, that 
paralyzes you, but rather uh, kind of a knowing who you are, knowing what you're about, knowing what your job is and your mission is, and going about it. That's what I think all these people had in common. After my homily was over, I had a, a lady of the parish, a very sweet, holy lady of the parish asked me, you know, you mentioned John and you mentioned Elizabeth. You mentioned Mary, but you didn't mention Joseph. I said, oh, no, I didn't mention I didn't mention Joseph because Joseph isn't mentioned in the reading uh, today. But you could include Joseph there. Really, you, you, you include any saint, any of the saints. All of them, in, in one way or another, are, are saints because they and are remembered today because they put their talents, their abilities, all that they were at the service of the gospel. And there was nothing else that was getting in their way. There, were, there was no other you know, temptation or rival. Christ was the center of their life. And they dedicated themselves to his service. And, you know, for John, it, is, it was the, the preparing the way for the Lord. And, you know, in a way, all of us have that vocation too. All of us have that vocation uh, to, to proclaim the Lord, to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And, you know, in whatever way we can in our life. You know, and again, as I said, I, I don't, I'm not saying it like if you're in school, you know, you should get up on a table in the cafeteria and start thumping a Bible. But, you know, as St. Peter would say in his letter, you know, we should be ready, though, with an answer. If someone asks us, you know, are you Catholic? And why are you Catholic? To give a reason for our faith. To, to you know, have at least some explanation. And that really means knowing our faith. It also means knowing ourselves and knowing who we are at our core and why it is that we follow Christ, and why it is that we, we really do believe that, that he is the Savior. And if that's all we do, is just have that, that answer, and it doesn't have to be overly intellectual, doesn't have to be overly, you know, too thought out, just something simple from the heart. It'll work. It'll work. And who knows? Uh, you might find that uh, there are going to be words coming out of your mouth that you're wondering exactly where they're coming from. You know they're coming from you, and you know that you believe them. But but maybe they're articulated in a way that, that even surprise you. And that's called giving room for the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to have some uh, some influence on you, all right, and to open up your mind and open up your tongue. So I'm going to leave this right here. I'm going to thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, um, you know, the plan that I articulated last episode is still uh, on the table. Uh, definitely I'll be back next weekend. I'm not going to make any promises that I'm not going to keep in terms of midweek, uh, episodes in these next two weeks and the, you know, the Christmas week and the, uh, the week before new year's, but definitely in the, if I can get to a midweek one, I will, I will at least get to a, you know, end of the week one like this one or beginning of the week one like this one. And, uh, yeah, uh, but in the new year, definitely begin, uh, you know, more consistency in terms of getting a midweek and a, and a weekend uh, edition out. And in January, we've got a lot of things. We have, it's really the, for us as in the Salesian family, it's the month of Don Bosco. His feast comes up on the 31st. So you know you'll be hearing a lot of uh, Don Bosco stories uh, during that time. I, again, I am still, you know, I 
have, uh, you know, I have a, basically I have an episode already worked out that again, this has been having trouble getting it just recorded and completed, uh, on, uh, it's not cancel culture exactly, but on, on the following of, of a, of a, of a narrative or of a political or ideological narrative and the dangers of it. I am again doing my reading, doing my research on the rise of witchcraft and, you know, the dangers of following the occult. And, uh, Again, January, a lot of Don Bosco stuff. We have, again, his feast and a few other Salesian feast days uh, during the month of, of, of January. So, uh, you know, uh, keep on coming back uh, and, you know, for that. And again, I thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you have a very blessed and spiritually fruitful week before Christmas. And, uh, you know, if you don't get to hear the episodes again till after the holidays, if you're, you know, running around and too busy. Well, first of all, no, we're here. We'll be here, but otherwise, you know, have a Merry Christmas if I don't see you. And uh, I'll catch you next time. Okay, God bless all of you. Bye-bye.